Your Fave Bad Movie. Welcome back to another episode of Your Fave Bad Movie. I'm Joe Daniel Montalongo, and today we have a super special guest, Trace Thurman. Hi, Trace. Hi, so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on this. So let me tell y'all a little bit about Trace. Trace is fucking cool as shit. Trace has two dogs, at least that I'm aware of, that are fucking precious, and I only follow him on Insta for that very reason of seeing those dogs. <laughs> Good to know. And Trace has an awesome podcast, as well as his Blood Disgusting articles that I listened to, and I just got done listening to the episode with Carter Smith, and I was so okay. excited, because I love his work, and I was like, ah, I want more people talking to people like that. I No, trust me, like, I, I was fangirling over Carter Smith. I was kind of bad in the beginning, but like, as it went on, I got more accustomed to it, but like, he's super talented, and he's super hot, and he's just amazing. Trace, what are we talking about today? We are discussing the famed, acclaim, acclaimed film, Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. This movie, when you <laughs> set me which one you want to talk about, you said, I want to do this one first. Like, that was your number one bullet point. And I was oh, like, yeah. I am glad that someone has a passion for this movie. Mm-hmm. Because this is one of the go-to movies that I watch when I'm super, super high, just because the color palette, because of the wacky <laughs> shenanigans, because it's so quotable. And I was like, ah, I can't wait to talk to someone about this one. And the fact that it was you made it all perfect. I'm I'm a huge Scooby-Doo fan. I unironically love both of these movies. I love the cartoon show. I I mean, I grew up watching Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Uh, a pup named Scooby-Doo. <gasps> I didn't... Oh, yeah, trust me. A pup named Scooby-Doo was like my ish. And... <laughs> Like, I didn't really care for the Scooby and Scrappy show, but I did kind of watch the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. And then, of course, you have the cartoons of Zombie Island. So when when the first movie came out, I was 13 years old, and I was, like, losing my shit. And so when this one came out, I was actually a sophomore in high school, and I was probably too old to be excited about it. But my mom <laughs> literally pulled me out of school early so we could go see Scooby-Doo 2. <laughs> that is beautiful your mom's an ally oh my gosh yeah 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 no i i like again 14 15 year old trace like losing his mind over scooby-doo 2 monsters unleashed i grew up with my best friend and every single friday me and her family would go see the newest movie at the movie theater and she Mm -hmm. is a big scooby-doo fan she's the one that got me into this yeah so when it was our turn to see it she was freaking out and i remember loving the first one i also really love scrappy doo in that movie i know no one else does but i well, love no, but it, it, it's super meta though because no one likes scrappy doo period and then they fucking make him the villain and it's awesome yes <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit about scooby-doo 2 directed by raha gosnell this movie came out march 26 2004 there's a comment because they were going to make a third movie but it didn't make enough money and matthew lillard blamed it on the release date but apparently they released it on that date because it was the 35th anniversary of the premiere of scooby-doo where are you in 1969 which makes sense and is so beautiful but I, movies in march man are tough <laughs> well the first one was a summer movie and made like almost 300 million worldwide and then you release this one in like the week after spring break so it's yeah. like I don't know what they were thinking. It would have just been fine to just be like, oh, it's the 35th year anniversary. That would have been yeah. cool. Enough to, bl- you'd have to yes. do it to the day. This is written by James Gunn. And I remember finding out that they were written by James Gunn maybe two or yeah. three years ago. And I lost my fucking shit. It's, because I, I looked into the cast and crew as well. And yeah, so I mean, like, James Gunn, I mean, of course, I'm sure, I'm, I'll just like say, you know, he, he, this was kind of the beginning of his career after he left Troma. Um, I don't watch Troma. I've seen like a couple Troma things and it's really not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did these, and then he wrote the Dawn of the Dead remake, and then he went on to write and direct Slither and Super and Guardians of the Galaxy. So, and I think he still likes, like, I think he likes these movies. I don't think he's, like, 
ashamed of him now. Like, like, like some people are like, oh yeah, I was young getting started, whatever. I think he really enjoys his movies. And he should. They're really smart. Yeah, they're a little childish, but they're smart. That's, that's kind of what I was thinking when I was rewatching, I just finished watching it. Like it's, there's a thing with kids movies where it's like, I feel like the ones that get good reviews are the ones that are like for kids, but there's also enough, like not adult humor, but it's like smart enough for adults. This one is definitely slapsticky, and they both of them rely on like fart humor. Mm-hmm. But there's also like some fun little commentary. It's not super deep. It's not serious, but it's very reminiscent of the cartoon show, and it's just really fun. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So this stars some of my favorite people from the '90s, Linda Cardellini. Mm-hmm. I don't know why her name was first, but she's the one that I'm most like super into. Well, she was the most like the least known when the first movie was made. Like I remember, like when the first one was coming out, it was like, oh my god, it's it's Freddie Prinze Jr., it's Sarah Michelle Gellar. People kind of knew Matthew Lillard, but no one except Freaks and Geeks fans knew mm-hmm. Linda Cardellini. So that was, the, I mean, and she's of course one of the best parts of both movies. Yes, absolutely. So this movie is not considered to be good by anybody, I think. Nope. Uh, no, I I posted that I was watching it and people, I, the exact thing I posted was I posted a picture of the uh, the Blu-ray like main credit screen and I was like, give me a better thing to do on a Friday night. And so, uh, fucking even my podcast co-host Joe Lipset was like, uh, how much time do you have? And I was like, this is like, <laughs> <laughs> like people hate this movie. And I'm like, this movie is so fun. I mean, okay. It's not like, it's not Scooby-Doo and Zombie Island, which is a legitimately good movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's it's great. This one, it, this one's definitely, like, again, it's stupid. But, like, the cast is having so much fun in this movie, and I feel like the crew is also having a lot of fun. And that's kind of all... It's infectious to me. Like, it's dumb, but I don't care. I agree. I think that's what it is. For being so cheesy or whatever people want to say about it, I think it does a good job of feeding into that cheese. I think mm-hmm. the emotional moments are emotional for the kind of world that it's living in. I cry yeah. every single time Scooby is looking at all four of the people stuck in the muck. It's one of those moments. Where I'm like, Scooby-Doo doesn't know what to okay. do and he's so scared. But let's be real here. No, I, I made this note whenever the tar monster like finally like starts attacking people and he like, you know, chokes that guy. I'm like, these people are choking on tar. They're dead. They're not alive. <laughs> <laughs> this tar monster is straight up murdering people. It's a metaphor. The easiest way out. It's just a giant metaphor for oppression. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, I actually had notes. I was like, okay, Alicia Silverstone is like a meta commentary on yellow journalism. And then there's also like the be yourself through line. That's like the message of the movie. And there's like other stuff too, where I was like, this movie's deep, man. This movie, 22% on the tomato meter, Oof. 39% audience score, which I thought would be a little bit better. And I don't know why man, I put hope in people. I think this movie, right, this came out. You know, it's little kids. Parents do not want to go see this movie. Even if they grew up on the fucking cartoon, like, in the 60s and the 70s, like, they they were dragged to go see this movie. So, really, the only demographic for this movie, it's, I feel like it's a very small group of people. I like Scooby-Doo because that was my gateway horror. Like, mm-hmm. Scooby-Doo is what got me into the horror genre, even though it's dumb. And I just feel like, unless you're a diehard Scooby-Doo fan, like, you're not going to appreciate this movie. And even some people who are diehard Scooby-Doo fans probably aren't going to like this movie. Mm-hmm. Well, it the fact that it got a Rousey Award for Worst Sequel, I was like, that's, oh, that can't even happen that. in that year. <laughs> <laughs> the Razzies are a, no, the Razzies go for like what's what's gonna get them the most publicity. Like what what can we give the award to that's gonna like get the most article mentions? Which is fair, and I still respect Halle Berry for showing up to a collector Razzie for Catwoman. Oh, her and um oh god uh uh Sandra Bullock showed up for uh, All About Steve. Oh, I didn't know that. Fuck yes, Andy. Yeah. 
Yeah, she did. And she she brought out a wagon full of scripts of the movie and handed it out to the audience. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That style. I love yeah, that. It was, and it was the night before she won the Oscar for The Blind Side. That's range. Winning yeah. a Razzie and followed immediately by an Academy Award. But yeah, no, this movie got tra- like trampled. Like Critics hated it, but it made a lot of money. I mean, well, the first one made a lot of money. This one made a good amount of money, but not enough money. Because it was during school season and people were still studying. <laughs> well, that was... Hey, the thing is this. So, like, the, I, the first one has a budget of $84 million. And it made $152 million in the States and, like, worldwide was, like, two seventy-five. This one, Box Office Mojo didn't have the budget, but on Wikipedia, so this may not be correct, but Wikipedia says the budget for the sequel was, like, $24 million. So they cut the budget, like, significantly for this movie. Because, it again, it made, like, $90 million less than the original worldwide. And it's like, well, that should have been fine because you cut the budget in, like, a fourth. Yeah, so what's the fucking problem? <laughs> I don't know. Matthew Lillard's still bit bitter about it, but, like... I mean, granted, you can... Because I think the production design of this movie is actually very, very good. Like, it looks like a live-action cartoon. Mm-hmm. But the CGI is not the best, but I, I cut it slack because it's 2004. But it also, it's supposed to look like a cartoon. If we're going along with that motif, a, a lot of the places exactly. where I noticed the bad CGI, I was like, oh, this is how it would cut if it was hand-drawn animation like the original show. This is right. how they would kind of make that motion, so it makes sense to me. The, 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 the tar monster wrapping is tentacles around people. Like, that doesn't look good. Um, there's a part where Velma's holding a book out and the, the Black Knight Ghost sword, like, comes in between her and the book. <laughs> that looks like a cartoon. Like, but again, it's like, are we really gonna, like, be that critical and, like, scrutinize Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed? No, and we don't have to, and that's not what we're here <laughs> to do. Trace, why do you like this movie? Uh, nostalgia's a big part. I mean, like I said, I fully admit, I was too old, quote-unquote, to, like, be excited for this movie when it came out, but I was stoked. I watched Scooby-Doo ev- all the time as a kid. Like, I feel like every day I would go home and, like, watch cartoons of Scooby-Doo. I bought the VHSs when they came out. Um, I worshipped at the altar of Zombie Island. And this movie particularly. So I actually prefer it to the first movie. I like the first movie, but the first movie isn't very representative of the cartoon. It also goes in a much darker direction, which I'm fine with, because Zombie Island also went dark, you know? Mm-hmm. This one, though... It really feels like an episode of the cartoon show, and it also references previous episodes of the cartoon show. And so it plays on that nostalgia while also kind of just being kind of fun. And what makes me upset is that the, uh, so the, the DVD and the Blu-ray of the first movie has a cast commentary with all four of them, and they like just watch the movie and talk, and they're shooting the shit, and it's you feel like you're in the room watching the movie with them, and it's super fun. This one doesn't have that, and I'm a little upset, but... I just love how much fun they're all having. It's, it, again, like I said, it's, it's infectious. Like, you're watching this movie and you see them all having fun. It brings back memories of my childhood. Alicia Silverstone, who is underserved in this movie, but still having a total blast playing, mm-hmm. like, a campy reporter bitch. And it's a mystery. Like, I, I also just like, because I'm going to confess, I didn't call it being Alicia Silverstone. I'm sorry. Um, Tim Blake Nelson and Alicia <laughs> Silverstone mask. <laughs> in the weird metal tribal mask thing like it doesn't make any sense and the movie knows it and it just runs with it and i appreciate that and that's what makes it so fun and so silly especially the concept of every scooby-doo episode ends with the unmasking of the bad Mm -hmm. guy the first one kind of gave you a different one where it was a dog inside of a person right and then this one gave you (laughs) tim nelson inside of alicia silverstone inside of the mask which leads to my sister's favorite quote at the end where she's unmasked and then her reporter assistant is like, 
but we cuddle. <laughs> no, okay, that was my one issue with the movie, though. I was like, oh, like, you're gonna throw this homophobic joke in there, because it's like, oh, it's funny, it's two guys cuddling together. But, I mean, also, it's 2004. Yes. Uh, and we all know that James Gunn has had experience, like, with his past tweets coming back to haunt him. And if you don't know, just Google James Gunn tweets. Like, <laughs> it'll probably be, like, the first thing that pops up. But, yeah, I... I my favorite parts are actually... My favorite scene is when it's um, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Alicia Silverstone doing their tete-a-tete. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's that line Sarah Michelle Gellar has. It's so stupid. Um, hold on. Oh, it's it's my job to unmask those who pretend to be those that they're not. And then she goes, unmask those? You sound like the evil masked guy. It's... <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It's so stupid. It is <laughs> I love so it. fun. And... I have always loved Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah. I think she is always perfectly placed and she knows what to do in each of the roles. Mm-hmm. So like in Scream 2, she's perfect in Scream 2 because she knows that she's not the main character. She knows that she's there to play this part and then die. And then yeah. in Cruel Attention, she was weird and snarky and bitchy and mean and delicious. Her, um, Outside of Buffy, though, that is her best role. Yes. I, I love Sarah Michelle Gellar. I worship at the altar of Sarah Michelle Gellar. I think her and Freddie Prince Jr. are the weakest parts of both of these movies because... Really? Yes. Because here's the thing. Matthew Lillard embodies Shaggy. Like, Matthew yes. Lillard is Shaggy. He's perfect. And he, he, he now voices the cartoons, um, except for the reboot that's coming out in May. Um, he's not voicing Shaggy, but that's another story. Um, Linda Cardellini is really good because she is Velma. Now, the problem is, though, Shaggy and Velma have very distinct personalities and character types in the cartoon. You don't really have that with Fred and Daphne. So they're inherently less interesting characters, even though gays love Daphne and I love Daphne. I also love Daphne. When she kicked that wrestler's ass in the first one, she had me. With the Black Knight ghost in this one, she had me. Oh, the scene with her and the Black... Apparently they all did their own stunts in this movie. Like, because in the first movie she had her Buffy stunt double, like, working, doing her stunts there. But apparently all of them did their own stunts in this movie, which is awesome. But the problem is, in this... In both movies, it's just Sarah Michelle Gellar playing Sarah Michelle Gellar and it's just Freddie Prince Jr. playing Freddie Prince Jr. and it's fine it's fine but they're not impressive in this in either one of these movies I think I think that's fair I think in the TV show obviously Fred and Daphne were my least favorites because they weren't the ones who were guiding me as mm-hmm. opposed to like Shaggy Scooby and Velma I think because of the fact that you cast Sarah Michelle Gellar Freddie Prince Jr. I think if you would cast anybody else I would have definitely been like ugh yeah. Them. But because it is them, and because they, I think I just know so much about them in real life, right. and they were oh, yeah. all the 90s movies that I loved, mm-hmm. that I just I have this strong attachment to them. So, like, whatever ride you're doing. And I think Freddie Prince Jr. especially, playing kind of airheaded, but doesn't know that he's airheaded, but yeah. has some assumptions about his own self as Fred, is so fucking yeah. funny to me. It's fine. They, they downplay his airheadedness in this one a little bit, because it's more about... The focus of this movie is more on Shaggy and Velma, because that first one got terrible reviews, too, but all the... like. The people that pray, like said anything was good about it was, oh, Shaggy and Shaggy and Velma are the good parts of this movie. So that's why they give them more to do. They give Velma the love interest. They give Shaggy, like, the... And Scooby, the, oh, my God, like, why are we useless? But, you know, Freddie Prinze Jr. is a huge Scooby fan, and him and Matthew Lillard, like, were in, like, a bunch of movies together in the late 90s. I think this is the fourth movie they did together. And they, and like, they love Sco- They both love Scooby-Doo together. Like, Sam Michelle Gellar didn't know shit about Scooby-Doo. <laughs> Freddie Prinze Jr., like, had all these... I remember seeing her on Ellen once, and she was like, yeah, like, Freddie really liked it, and he, like, showed me all these, like, DVDs he had of the cartoon show, and he basically got me to do this movie with him. And so it was, like, a vacation for them. <laughs> Oh, I love that. That's cute. And they're still together. And that makes me so happy. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, they, they are still together. It's great. Oh, I love that about them. I remember talking to you about the colors of this movie. I don't know why, but this color palette was so delicious to me. Everything felt it's so bright. bright. Yeah. And like full of life. And normally when you have those colors, people, people, humans look really ugly. Mm-hmm. But everybody looked gorgeous. Everybody fit in perfectly. And it, I think it allowed it to mesh well with the bad CGI. I don't yeah. think the CGI is intentionally bad. I think it's just bad. But I think in this world, it suits really well. It's a live action cartoon. The, the most impressive set to me was actually um, Old Man Wickles's like mansion house with all the cobwebs everywhere. That whole sequence I think is really fun. I also, <laughs> I also love when they go down the um, the doorbell trap, mm-hmm. and it's like. Um, the Girl Scout's like, there's cookies. And then it's like the Jehovah's Witnesses, have you heard the good news? And Scooby's like, yeah, there's cookies. I literally, <laughs> go- just like an hour ago, guffawed at that fucking joke. <laughs> it's not even that funny. And I th- I was, I laughed my ass off. You're right. I mean, it's because you said normally like the people, like they look drab against like the bright colors, but it's because they're playing, they're overacting. All of them are overacting. And they're also all wearing very, like, what is Daphne's, like, purple feather dress in the first scene? Like, what is that? It's so ugly, but also I remember <laughs> loving it. Yeah. And how tight it is, and her still kicking ass. I was like, you can't move in that. You're lying to me. It, and, and Velma's weird leather fart suit. Like, it's... <laughs> <laughs> um, when Shaggy, like, becomes female Shaggy, because he has the boobs and the female body, and, like, it's... It's just so ridiculous. It's just larger than life. I think that's because the, the first one I don't think has the same kind of look to it because you're on that that amusement park island mm. setting the whole time, and so I think setting it back in Coolsville, which is their town, helps. Also brings it back to the origin of like the the cartoon show. I want a really really good live action TV show. I wish what they were doing with Riverdale, mm. they would have done with Scooby Doo. Oh my god, I I would literally cry. Tears of joy. Tears of joy. Oh, like, okay. I was like, I'm so sorry. No, 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 no. But I, I'm with you. Here's the thing, though. So do you want them to do, like, serious, like, Riverdale? Like, you want a serious Scooby-Doo? I want the world that they live in to think it's that serious, but I want the show to be super self-aware. So one thing I read about the original, the original, the first movie was that they were aiming for a Brady Bunch movie vibe, where it was like, <laughs> oh, the world around them knew how stupid they were, but they didn't know how stupid everything was. Like, they were still trapped in the 60s. And the world around them was like, no, this is like 2002, or in this movie, 2004. And I didn't get that vibe in the first one, because I, I think the Brady Bunch movies are like brilliant pieces of satire. Yes. And I didn't get that in the first one, but I almost wonder, because that, that would have made it more for adults. Like, you could make a PG-13 Scooby-Doo movie with that. I don't hate the idea of a serious Scooby-Doo adaptation, be it a TV show. I just don't... I wonder... If people want that, like you and me want that because we're smart, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) do other people want that? You know, with the amount of TV shows that people are watching now and the stupid shit that they're watching, I think we could at least do like a successful three season run, which I think is perfect for any TV show. Any more than that, you're overdoing it. Well, you have ADD, so that's why you think that. Uh, I I love my ten season shows as long as I start them from the beginning though. Like I, I'm people are always telling me to watch Supernatural. I'm like ah, oh, but it's already fifteen seasons in. Like I can't I can't start watching Supernatural. I can't do that. A negative review that I found for Scooby Doo Two Monsters Unleashed only one. I mean I found a thousand, <laughs> but this one was my favorite one because it involves dick curling. Oh God! <laughs> it said don't watch it. Your dick will curl into your major intestines. It is not worth the trauma. Shaggy uses more than 1% of his power and still doesn't come out on top. Not worth the watch, even being drunk. I don't agree with any No, of it. it's... A, 
being drunk would make it even more fun. Um, yes. I don't really smoke very much, so I, I don't really, like, I don't know. If, I'm assuming being high would be a blast watching this movie. As a person who got high to watch it last <laughs> night, I can tell you, yes, it is. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I'm an optimistic person, and I feel like you are too. I don't walk into a movie wanting to hate it, and I feel like people that, I mean, can someone not like this movie? Totally fine. I'm not going to, like, shit on someone for not liking this movie, because it's, again, it's a stupid movie. But... Like, a comment like that that's so hyperbolically negative, it's like, I don't see the value in it. Unless a movie offends me. If a movie offends me, like, I can get saying something like that. But this movie isn't offensive. I appreciate that. And I appreciate this person who left a positive review, which I think encapsulates everything that I I appreciate about this movie. Which was, Mm -hmm. while quite a silly film, the overall execution of the premise is utterly captivating. And honestly, it's just a great time. And that's how I feel. Right? It fulfills the concept that it is Scooby-Doo. Your normal characters are there. There is a mystery to be solved. There are monsters running around. The monsters have been unleashed. And it's pretty to look at. I think it's fucking hilarious. I've never laughed harder than when fucking Peter Boy's like, damn bushes are laughing at me again. I laugh every single fucking time. I cannot. He's so earnest. There is... There- there is random adult... So, hey. So, there's a scene when Shaggy gives Scooby, like, the whipped cream to give him, like, rabies. <laughs> so, I saw this in theaters, and I was like, I swear to God, there was a Whippet joke in this movie. And it is not on the Blu-ray or the DVD. So, I was like, I swear when I saw this, there was a Whippet joke in theaters. And I googled it. There was a Whippet. Like, basically, Scooby, like, gives... Uh, Shaggy gives Scooby rabies with the um, mm-hmm. the whipped cream. And then he takes it and, like, <gasps> and, like, Whippets himself. And then it cuts to the next scene... And on the DVD and Blu-ray, like, they cut before he does Oh, my God. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> in the first one, they do the same thing where it's, like, um they're, they're coming up to the van and there's smoke coming out of the van. And it's, like, oh, it's pot smoke. But, oops, they open the door and they're just rolling right. inside. That is so fucking f- <laughs> I I don't remember that at all. And, obviously, in the version that I watched, I didn't have it either. That is so fucking funny. No, you you can YouTube. If you YouTube Scooby-Doo 2 Whip It, um, it's, like, a foreign cut. But it, you can see it. You can see it. That'll be the promo material for this. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. The costumes also, I read, were fully functional. The ones that they were in the museum. Yes. That attention to detail itself earns a lot of respect for me. And the placards all had like interesting mm-hmm. trivia about the actual costume too. The, the budget went to the production and the costumes in this movie. Like that's, I mean, not to disservice the actors, but they do more acting than the actors in this movie. Like it's, it's just like, that's the star of this movie. This is a production movie. It's not an acting movie. It's not a screenwriter. And it doesn't movie, have to know? be. And they both still deliver well. It's just a production is what's gorgeous about it. Yeah. Even the director, Raja Gosnell of Never Been Kissed, like, I mean, the man's a genius, clearly. clearly. But yeah. <laughs> but you know, he, he's not getting all the How money. would you have felt if it was Drew Barrymore instead of Alicia Silverstone? I would have loved... I, I love Alicia Silverstone. I'm not... I didn't grow up with Clueless, so, like, I don't worship at the altar of Clueless. Um, I do worship at the altar of Drew Barrymore. I, I, my mom loved Drew Barrymore growing up, so, like, any time a Drew Barrymore movie came out, like, we would go see it as a family all the time. And Never Been Kissed is, like, a top ten rom-com for me. So... Yes! I... And Ever After, and The Wedding Singer, like, all of that shit. So, uh, I probably would have preferred mm-hmm. it. But I think Alicia Silverstone's still fine. I, I wish they gave that character more to do before it's revealed that she's the villain. I think she did enough, which was beautiful. But as a person who was eating this movie up, I could have dealt with it. And when you told me, it's like, it's only 90 minutes. I can watch it before the show. I was like, wait, I thought this movie was like two hours. It gives me so much. And now I'm thinking like, <laughs> oh shit, I would have sat through like a two hour Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. I will sit through a two hour Scooby-Doo anything. <laughs> like, it is insane. But I'm a diehard. I'm a diehard. So it's fine. Who's your favorite monster? Um, 
So there's two. One of them from the original is called It's the Creeper, and I'm Ooh. mad we never got his like live action iteration. But yeah, because there's a scene where like it's called Jeepers, It's the Creeper, and it's just this Frankenstein type monster. It's the episode's in the most as a kid. But yeah, there's a part where Velma is like, um, she's running from the creeper, and then she stops, and she just faces him, and she's like, you wouldn't hit someone with glasses, would you? And he, like, swipes at her, and then she just, like, kicks him in the knee and runs away. And I just, as a kid, I thought that was hilarious. But there was an episode, it wasn't from Scooby-Doo or Are You, but it was from, I think, one of the, maybe the 80s versions, but, um, the villain was called The Spectre, and it terrified me as a kid. Was it the glow-in-the-dark one? Or, not the glow-in-the-dark one? No. No, 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 no. I'll send you a picture when I find it. But it's basically, like, it, it's a guy, I think he's wearing a red suit, but he has a blue face, and it's, like, um, white, like, slicked back hair, kind of making, like, a like a Goku or something, like, hairstyle from Dragon Ball Z. The climax takes place on this construction site. I don't know. But it was one of the only Scooby-Doo monsters to actually, like, scare me as a kid, because his face was terrifying. The laughing skeleton inside the helmet and the bodysuit that worked on, like, that air... airplane? Nope. What's it called? Airfield? He would, like, dislocate his jaw and just laugh really, really loudly, and his helmet would light up. That one was the scariest one. Oh! Yeah, it was in, um... It was at the, the, the carnival. The carnival. Was it the carnival? Yeah, he's at a carnival. But he's also in the airfield, but I think it's both. I can't remember what they called him, but he, yeah, I, I know. I love that. That that was, that was the opening credits. That one was creepy, creepy. Oh my gosh. Trace, anything else you want to say about this beautiful, delicious movie? <sighs> Just fucking like, people, go watch it. Like, listen to the cast commentary in the first movie. That's amazing. Please listen to that. It's so fucking fun. It literally feels like you're watching a movie with the four of them. And then this one, like, if you're a fan of Scooby-Doo, like, and you don't mind it being stupid, just watch it. It's, it has a really good heart and it means well. It's not deep. Ruben Stuttered is a cameo in the credits. Like, one of my favorite scenes is the dance sequence inside the goddamn... The, the faux ghost. With Scooby-Doo and Shaggy dressed <laughs> up as, like, 70s disco players. Delicious. Yes. Oh, I got it. Is Shizzy McCreepy and SD McCrawley. There you go. What else do you need? <laughs> Um, I also love that it's like when they get the post note, it's the faux ghost tonight. Like, and they're like, oh, it's tonight. And it's like, when was that note written? <laughs> like, it's just... <laughs> it's so good. This movie's super fun. Like, just so I can, like, double feature both movies and it's a blast. And then go watch Scooby-Doo and Zombie Island. Perfect. That is the perfect trilogy of movies. Yeah, exactly. Well, Trace, 100%. thank you so very much for joining me today. I have had a blast learning from you and talking to you about this fucking delicious movie. Oh, no, thank you for having me on. I mean, again, any chance I can get to talk about Scooby-Doo is just like, oh, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. When are you going to start your follow-up podcast where you just talk about every single Scooby-Doo episode and <gasps> oh movie? Oh, God. I do. Uh, I just got the limited edition Blu-ray box set that's, like, in the mansion. Oh, my <sighs> God. That's actually not a bad idea. <laughs> I might have to do that. I think that'd be fucking fun. I would sure as shit listen uh, and watch. like... Good 20-minute episodes. I'm so used to doing, like, two-hour episodes, so I'm like, a 20-minute episode podcast would be great. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Chase, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Traced Thurman. That's my first name, last name, with a D in the middle. We The Horror Queers do not have a Twitter profile because we just didn't want to do it. Can, we do have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. So it's Horror Queers for the Facebook page and Horror Queers group, super original, for the Facebook group. <laughs> We talk about gay shit in horror movies, or sometimes movies that don't have gay shit, and then we put gay shit in it uh, on a weekly basis. So please enjoy it if you listen to it. Hell yeah. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. And Trace, thank you so much for sharing with me your fave bad movie. Thank you. Oh my gosh. That Trace Thurman. He is a hoot. He is a holler. And he is an overall 
great time. Thank you all so very much for listening to another episode of Your Fate Bad Movie. If you'd like to discuss this movie or any other movies with us, go ahead and tag me, Joe Daniel BB, on Twitter, or you can use the hashtag YourFaveBadMovie. If your thoughts can be condensed in a single tweet, go ahead and email the show at YourFaveBadMovie at gmail.com. I would like to read out a fun little review that was left on the show. From Paul Sean Ward, New Fave Movie Podcast. I'm a huge believer that any healthy diet should consist of all types, good and bad, comforting and uncomfortable. In a world of trolling and review bombing, this podcast is a refreshing and necessary counterbalance. Filmmakers and film lovers non-judgmentally sharing what bad movies they love and why. No guilt in these pleasures. That is absolutely the feel that we're going for on the show, and Paul, thank you for recognizing it. If you want to say kind words, go ahead and pop on iTunes or wherever you talk about your favorite podcast and leave us a review and a rating. If you leave me a nice review or a review that I think is hilarious, I will go ahead and read it on the show. Alrighty, everybody. Thank you so much. I cannot say that enough. And I hope you're ready because some familiar faces are popping up next week where we take on a monster movie where a beautiful young athlete has to befriend a disgusting, grotesque monster in order to find out who he really is inside. And maybe it turns out that the real monsters look just like us. Bye.